one season ends and another is immediately upon us and that would be draft season. We're excited. At 24, I think there's going to be a lot of players of interest, and then having a lot of assets is good and kind of lets you control what you want to do and set some goals and have some means to go and go and achieve them. That's Vince Rosman, who heads up the 76ers scouting department. We'll hear from him and Mariel Shayok, a prospect who was in town for a pre-draft workout earlier this week. Being on game is very versatile. I think every NBA team needs shooting and an ability to defend, so I think I just bring that. Time to start diving into our draft season series on this episode of the broadcast. Back we are on the podcast. How you doing? I'm Brian Seltzer. Thanks so much for checking out this edition of the pod. We've got our first draft season episode of the spring coming up. But first, reminders to please do subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, SoundCloud, four great places to get our podcast feeds. All you got to do is type in Sixers Podcast Network. That will take you to where you need to be so you can never miss an episode. We've also got plenty of draft coverage for you to check out on our website, Sixers.com, also on all of our social channels as well, profiles of individual players, and recaps of the first two workouts of the spring. If I'm being totally honest and upfront, last Tuesday, about 48 hours after Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Semifinals came to an end, I honestly would have much rather been getting ready for the opener of the Conference Finals in Milwaukee. Who wouldn't? That's just the type of year that you live to be a part of and as a team you play for. It, of course, was four bounces not to be. But instead, on the flip side, I, along with probably many of you, were tuned into ESPN, an annual Rite of Spring passage, focusing on this. Pick number 14 will be made by the Boston Celtics. All right. This was originally Sacramento's pick, but it goes to Boston. If the pick had been number one overall, would have been Philadelphia. But Celtics, you've got it. Ah, yes. The NBA draft lottery in Chicago, for better or worse, might be the last one for a while that we pay close attention to, at least as far as the lottery is concerned. 76ers had a shot, a 1% shot, of getting the Sacramento Kings pick that would have conveyed to number one. But... That wasn't the case, so the Boston Celtics, as you heard Rachel Nichols say, assume the rights to that pick at number 14. But all in all, the Sixers, they are in, a, I think, a really great spot to influence this year's draft. We're going to talk about that with Vince Rosman in a bit. The Sixers tied for the most picks in the league with five at number 24, 33, 34, 42, and 54. And with all those picks in hand, it's been an important few days recently, an important few weeks and last month or so for members of the 76ers. They were at the Combine in Chicago last week, and that was followed by the team's second pre-draft workout this spring on Monday at the training complex in Camden. One of the participants who interested me and who was also in Chicago for not just the Combine but the NBA G League Elite Camp Iowa State product, Mariel Shayok. Mariel was an All-American honorable mention last year. He started his career for three seasons at UVA. Then he transferred to Ames in 2017, had a breakout 2018-19 campaign. And we caught up with Shayok and asked him not just about the state of his game, but his impressions of the 76ers. It's history of great players, all the guys that come through here. And then obviously the current players, that's kind of... Uh, brought the franchise back to where um, it's supposed to be. 
And when you're on a court, you see, you know, Barkley, Iverson, Irving, Chamberlain. I mean, what, what is that like? Can you help, you know, you mentioned the history. Can you help it get caught up in that history thing? Yeah, it's crazy. I'm seeing that Iverson jersey, that's one of my favorite players growing up. Um, and obviously, uh, being from Canada, you remember Iverson killing us in 01. Um, him and Vince Carter, and obviously they had a good series this uh, this past play uh, playoff. So, I mean, this history is just amazing to see. As a young player, you know, you're coming up, you mentioned the 76ers having a regeneration and regrowth. What stands out about the style of play that the team has? Uh, I mean, it's great. I mean, the, the, the starting five obviously stands out the most just because the talent it has and the ability to play together. I think they really kind of faded out in the playoffs. And uh, Jimmy Butler and Joel and B. Lee, in a way, you obviously got Redick ability to space the floor and then obviously Ben Simmons does a little bit of everything so um, I mean the style of play I think they, they kind of just make it work within their their uh, strengths so they, they can play fast they can slow down the game and have Mitchell and be post or space out the floor so it's just a very um, um, vague uh, style of play. So can you walk me through really from start to finish I know this is just your second workout but from start to finish like when you land here to when you get on the court to when you're wrapping up, what has this whole experience with the 76ers been like? What have been some of the things they've had you do? It's been great. I mean, we came in kind of late from the combine last night and just got some food and went to sleep. And then this morning, uh, I mean, they, they really took care of us. They, they got us some breakfast at the facility up there, which was crazy to see. Um, so the whole facility here is amazing. And then uh, they really took care of us. And then all the, all the coaches, coaches here, really um, really helpful they got us they pushed us through and got some good work in. We'll talk about your career arc through college and how <clears> that went but just coming into this pre-draft season Portsmouth Invitational you shot the ball really well did so the same at the combine how are you feeling about the general state of your game right now? I feel good I'm still trying to get comfortable with these with new settings and new players and playing against playing with and against new guys is uh, it's definitely a challenge uh, especially coming from the college the college season where you're familiar with all the players you're playing with. Um, so it's new, but I think I'm doing well. I think I'm just trying to play to my strengths, uh, stay confident, and shoot the ball, and do what I do and defend. I mean, as a common person, you know, I think of from the outside, like you've got all these executives watching you, coaches, general managers. How do you tune that out? Are you able to? Does it help you when you think of that sort of thing? How do you maintain focus amidst uh, a very important moment that you're working towards? That's the thing. I just try not to think. I think I play better when I'm free and playing free. And um, I mean, obviously, the executives and the coaches are all can be intimidating if you let it, but honestly, it's what you want. It's what you're eventually going to have to play in front of them, play in front of many executives, hopefully throughout my career. And I just got to stay confident no matter what and just play my game and let the, uh, the rest handle itself. What were some of the things that they emphasized on the court during your drills and scrimmages? Um, just uh, go hard in every rep, the pace, and, uh, and it really just, just really kept me moving. It was a really fast-paced uh, workout, and so really it wasn't too time to dwell on missed shots or anything, um, and then just try to stay confident. Spent the first three years of your college career at UVA, then you transferred to Iowa State. At UVA in those three years, what were some of the biggest things you took away from your experience as far as your development as a player and a person? Oh uh, man, UVA, I mean, it was an amazing experience for me. Um, relationships I built there uh, with guys like uh, Justin, who was here last year, and uh, Malcolm and all those guys helped me um, become the player I am today and the person I am today, just seeing how they work and how they carry themselves. And then obviously with the coaching staff there, they're second and none. And, um, uh, really just, they made me really a better person and really I'll carry myself as a credit to them. I'd have to think defensively, that had to affect oh, yeah, your being Oh yeah, for sure, basketball-wise. Right? I think basketball-wise, I obviously improved defensively and then um, the ability to, to create it, it, with limited dribbles is something I, I definitely got better at coming out of high school and going to UVA just within their offense. 
You have the time at UVA, and then people see breakout numbers this past year. There was, of course, the transfer season where you had to sit out. Take me inside what was going on last year before this season when you probably had time to work on your game, develop. How did you prepare yourself to step up and step in the way you did this year? I mean, at Iowa State, I mean, uh, had a year off. I really did just take my time and really just dissect my game and get better in all aspects of my game. And then once this year came out, I just really wanted to trust my work and just play free. And Coach Prone, being the amazing coach he, he was, he put me in great spots to really excel. Where do you think your game is at right now as far as best fit for an NBA team? Um, I think my game is very versatile. I think, I mean, every NBA team needs shooting and, and ability to uh, defend. So I think I just bring that. I think I could score and, and really uh, make shots, especially when open. And then my length, I think I could defend uh, the one and three. So I think any NBA team could use that. What's the lasting impression that you want to leave an NBA organization with when you walk out the doors after the end of a pre-draft workout? Um, and that I'm bought in and, and, and to getting better and really improving my game. Um, I think that's something I really uh, take pride in and then that I'm going to do, make winning plays on and off the court and um, gives giving off my all. Good stuff from Mariel Shayok, who also went to Blair Academy in New Jersey before the start of his collegiate career at Virginia. But this past season, he was terrific, averaged over 18.5 points per game, just about five rebounds, two assists, shot really well from three at over 38%, hit 71 three-pointers, and he's been shooting the ball really well in recent weeks at the Portsmouth Invitational at the three games there, and also in Chicago at the G League Elite Camp and during the Combine scrimmages. So... Appreciate Mariel Shayok for taking a few minutes out of his visit with the 76ers to talk. We're going to talk with Vince Rosman, Senior Director of Scouting for the 76ers, in just a few seconds. But it is almost upon us, the uh, summer season. Can't wait. Weather has been getting better and improving in the Delaware Valley in recent weeks. Hopefully the same can be said for wherever you are listening out there. And if you are a kid ages 5 to 17 out there, consuming podcasts, or you are the parent of a child in said age demographic, you need to know about 76ers Camps. Presented by Rothman Orthopedics, powered by ESF. Since 1985, over 110,000 campers from more than 40 states and 50 countries have been part of the Philadelphia 76ers basketball camps experience. Head to 76ersCamps.com for more information on how you might be able to spend your summer or put your kid in a terrific summer program. Enrollment is now open at 76ersCamps.com. It's 76ers Camps, presented by Rothman Orthopedics and powered by ESF. It is an insanely intense time of year for personnel people throughout the NBA. It is no different for Vince Rosman. He's been with the 76ers for the better part of a decade and a half. He is currently the club's senior director of scouting, and it is great to have him back on the podcast at this all-important time of year. Vince, I'm not going to divulge any details or secrets about your recent itinerary. All I will say is that as of the morning of recording this podcast, you are just a few hours removed of being back in the Delaware Valley from being a few time zones away. And within a few more hours, you'll be off to another time zone. So why don't we start with that? Just how nonstop is the pace this time of year? i got to imagine it's pretty crazy. Yeah, actually, since the start of or the end of the college season, it gets pretty nuts. So you go into multiple different um, like all-star-ish type events. 
uh, whether it be from high school kids or college seniors. Uh, and that's pretty much April. And then from April, you go into the combine and combine goes into uh, both the in-market workouts and the agent workouts, which are all over the place. Uh, so we're in that we're in that mix right now, and it's it's a lot of travel. It's not my wife's favorite time of year. <laughs> but there are there has to be perks for her at the end of the day, right? Some frequent flyer miles, that sort of thing. Yeah, she takes advantage. <laughs> <laughs> a new meaning to double A advantage. <laughs> so, how much new things are uncovered? This time of year, about four weeks away from the draft itself, I got to imagine there's certain guys who, at the beginning of a college season, are on the radar of every team. And then, as the season unfolds, there are more prospects that come along. But is it the case where some prospects pop at these showcases or group workouts, or whether you bring in guys to the training complex here? I think the biggest thing is people um, don't necessarily understand how limited our access is to the players. So a lot of times this is our first chance to sit across the table and actually talk to them. Um, or um, similarly, it's our time to go to campus and really talk to coaches and get their feedback. Uh, otherwise, you're you're just kind of watching. Um, and this level of detail you don't really get to until, until this time of year, um, which is valuable. Like you, you want to know who they are as people and, and what their interactions have been like with, with you know, coaches and uh, support staff and all that throughout their career. I'm not sure if it's fair to describe the interview process at the Combine similar to something like speed dating, but it is very rapid. A lot of guys come in, but still I do have to think that there's even something that might emerge in those interactions. Because if you think of it in any context or any walk of life, like I'm just thinking uh, when you apply to college, you're thinking, wow, I really hope – um, I get an interview with my application rather than just someone reading my application because there's just something that you hope you can either convey or someone else finds out about you through interpersonal dynamics, right? That has to be similar to this. Yeah, it, it actually is very, very speed dating like. But but that said, um, if you're interviewing somebody for any job, you, you, you want to be able to actually sit in front of them and talk to them and, and get a feel for who they are as people and, you know, what their experiences have been like and what led them to this point. Um, it. Yeah, like you, you just want to know them as much as possible. With you guys getting into the thick of it right now, why don't you give us a timeline for the average person out there who might be listening when this really starts for you guys, when you start digging into preparing for the next year's draft? It kind of never stops, honestly. So um, from from this draft, we'll we'll start start scouting, you know, international events of of under 18 and under 19 and under 20 year old um, kids across the world. So that's July and August. And in August there's Nike camps and other, you know, shoe company events that has high school and college kids for the next year. So, so you, you dive right back in. Um, and, and, you know, that helps prepare you for the next college year. And from college, you get right back to this point in the year. It's, it's, it's kind of a nonstop process. Literally, it is a planet full of prospects that you guys have to scour to try and find talent. How do you funnel it down? How does it go from the inverted pyramid type of look, I guess, where it must be so broad to begin with, and then you try to narrow and whittle things down to zero in on potential targets? Uh, it's actually, I mean, thank goodness it's probably a lot easier now than it was in the past. Now we have access to, to more data, way more video. Um, so... 
we're not so reliant on the happenstance of seeing a guy. Um, there's a bunch of things and indicators that point us in the right direction before we get to that point. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. 76ers have five picks in the draft as we speak at this point in time. That's tied for the most in the league, number 24, then 33, 34, 42, 54. How do you guys feel about that stash of picks? Uh, we're excited. Um, at 24, I think there's going to be a lot of players of interest. Um, and then ideally, you know, somewhere in the 30s, you're kind of looking at the same pool of player. Uh, and then when you when you t- look further down the draft, hopefully, you know, there's some options, um, whether we roster them or not, or stash them or, or get the trade out for future picks. Um, having, having a lot of assets is good. It gives you a lot of optionality and, and kind of lets you control um, what you want to do and set some goals and have some means to go and go and achieve them. I got to ask you about the Kings pick because there was a chance, not a great chance, but there was a chance, a 1% chance that you guys could have ended up with the number one overall pick in the draft. How did you guys view that internally? How was that possibility as remote as it might've been reconciled as you guys were watching the lottery unfold? I didn't actually think about it too much. Uh, I think, <laughs> were we fortunate enough to win it, I would have t- taken care of itself. Um, clearly, there was nothing we could have done to help help those odds at this point. Um, would have been a good day. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> with your tenure here with the team, you've been here for about a decade and a half. How would you describe the organization's and the front office's philosophy when it comes to the draft? Things you look for, type of guys you may try to identify. Um, I think at this point it's a lot of the same stuff uh, Brett consistently talks about in, in you know, post-game and post-practice interviews, which is we're focused on guys, uh, especially you know now that we have Ben and, and Joel and hopefully Jimmy and, and Tobias are back, that, that can play off of those guys. And what that is is guys that can defend, guys that can make open shots, guys that know who they are and know what role they fill and, and, and can excel in that role. Um, and Quite frankly, those are the types of guys you hope to get later in the draft anyway. Um, the stars kind of wash themselves out a little bit earlier. There does have to be a simplification process, I would think, to a certain degree when at this stage now, what do we say, about three years into the team putting itself in position to contend where you have pieces there and then I would think you can just zero in more on the type of needs that need to be filled. Or is that not always the case? A little bit. It's there's a balance. You you also don't want to to, to pass up, um, you know, uber talents that just happen to fall. You want to keep your options open. Um, but there's definitely a you know, I, I don't know if it's specific to us, but league wide, um, you, you need guys that can defend on the perimeter and switch and 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 hold their own in space. Um, and then everybody needs shooters, so it's it's not really a secret at this point. I know you guys in the scouting department have a handful of people who are in here for their first or second seasons and other guys who have been here for generations. From your experience um, for yourself, do you ever stop learning about what it takes to be a good talent evaluator? Uh, No. I mean, hopefully we are good talent talent evaluators. I think in the summer uh, we do a good job of sitting down and and kind of having postmortems over over of the past year and what we could have done better and how you can, you know, what are we missing? How are we thinking about players and what, what can we do to, to, to 
better evaluate talent, better collect intel, get more accurate intel, um, better uh, format processes so we're ready earlier in, in the year. Um, there, yeah, there's there's always a learning process, and I think the the different perspectives we have on staff is only helpful um, to to come up to, to with better solutions to those questions. What makes for a good projection when it comes to prospects? How, how do you tell if a guy is NBA ready? I'm sure it varies from player to player, but what are some of the things that, that jump out and let you know whether a guy has a shot or he might be ready to make that leap to this level? Uh, I, I wish there was that um, like one simple answer to that question. Um, oftentimes we don't, I mean, based on – the amount of players the league as a whole gets wrong, I don't know that we necessarily know. Um, but I think character drives a lot of that, and, and the guys will to win and will get will to get better and improve, um, you know, their self-awareness of where they are on their improvement scale is, is very important so that they know where they have to go. Um, but, yeah, I don't. <laughs> that's a really hard question to answer. I guess if people knew, then it would be a <laughs> much more simple and direct task and challenge. You mentioned earlier about how the team literally has the globe covered to a certain degree when it comes to mining for talent. How do you guys divide up your resources between amateur scouting, pro scouting, um, international scouting? Um, yeah, we definitely have guys that are specialized in each of those roles, um, mostly dictated by their relationships in, in each, one's, each of those universes. Um, that way, you know, you want to get information before other teams. You want to get information more accurate than other teams. Um, so to to do that, you need to to have people that have really, really, really deep relationships and in, in, with coaches and people just that that are around the players and and, and in the know and and can get information that other people can't. I'm sure even at these settings like the Portsmouth Invitational or the Combine, you also have personnel people and executives from teams interacting with one another and you build relationships over years there's a lot of guys I've, I've got to think travel familiar paths and similar circuits and see each other on a regular basis how do you get to a point where you can tell whether you know some of the stuff that's being talked about if it's sincere talking of shop or like is there misdirection do you have to look out for that sort of thing or how, how does that dynamic <laughs> uh yeah play? You, you tend not to believe anything at this point in the year uh it's probably the, the the best way to approach uh all of those conversations um yeah we we definitely sit next to each other way too often <laughs> but at the end of the day it also seems like everyone's at least on the surface, friendly and gets along and there's this understanding of what you're all trying to do. Oh, yeah, no question. I mean, um, you know, it's a league full of good people and, and we enjoy each other's company, but we also are all playing the same game and want to win it. Um, you know, I have really, really good friends that I'm, I will lie to. I think they, <laughs> I think they, they know that. It is a delicate dance. Um, so tell me a little bit about the Portsmouth Invitational. That's one of the first big showcase events um, of the uh, pre-draft season once guys get out of school for seniors. H how good of a gauge can that event be? What does that event tell you? Uh, yeah, Portsmouth's great. Uh, it's been around forever. Uh, it's it's a showcase for seniors. So oftentimes what it, why it's helpful is you get to see guys in a different context. Um, maybe they've been put in a box in, in whatever school they were at, and they can, you know, show you that they've expanded their games over the years and have have more more to them than you 
have thought. It's also, like we said earlier, uh, one of the first opportunities to grab a guy and have, you know, lunch or coffee with him and actually talk to him for, for some good amount of time. Um, but then it's just, it's Portsmouth. It's great. Like it's, it's just a neat, neat setting. It seems more low key than the combine. Oh, very much. Yeah. The combine to me, um, and just as someone who's certainly outside the NBA personnel circle, I go there and I literally feel like I could just stand in a corner and people watch between college coaches who roll in for a quick appearance to all the executives who are there. You know, this year I saw a picture of Elton speaking with Jerry West. It's like your head can almost be on a swivel. And for me, at least, you're just amazed by some of the interactions no, between these power brokers that are taking place. It's crazy. It's humbling. <laughs> it, it is. It's, it's humbling uh, room to be in with, with, I don't know, people that have been in the league forever and have done like unbelievable things either as players or as executives or coaches. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's the who's who of the NBA at this point. Do the scrimmages inform your opinions or open your eyes to things there? <laughs> to the extent you can actually watch them. Right. I mean, that's uh, the other part of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, well, you, you could always go back on video, too. Yeah, it's similar to Portsmouth. You know, you, you identify some guys that maybe played, um, you know, their career in a defensive zone. So you get to see how they move their feet laterally on the perimeter and, and, and hold up one-on-one. Um, or you see maybe a guy that's played off the ball get get more opportunities to to make plays for teammates or himself. Um, so it's those like specific things you kind of look for more more than just kind of generically watching and, and taking notes like you would during the year. Has the incorporation of the G League Elite Showcase has that affected the way you're able to leave Chicago as far as the information you gather? Um, yeah, it's it's a it was a positive. It's just more access, more more uh, more games to watch, more people to meet, uh, more conversations I have uh, with players. Um, the more the better for us. So this time of year we are zeroing in on June 20th. How fluid are things as far as views on players, decisions that might be made, moves that I would think you might to a certain extent try to line up to have ready in the can once draft night rolls around. Yeah, that, that the latter part of that's definitely, you know, more of a Elton's wheelhouse. Um from a from a strictly scouting perspective, it's it's just tightening up loose loose bows, I guess, or whatever that saying is at this point because we've had, I don't know, endless conversations and and full staff meetings again and again and again. Um so I don't think there's, you know, something new from a talent or, or skill evaluation standpoint that that'll shock us if if there is we probably didn't do a good job throughout the year um so now it's just a matter of formulating all of that and and coming to to, to an understanding of the players and where everybody fits relative to everybody else and, and be able to present that to you know elton and alex rucker and, and those guys and and then you know have their opinions overlaid over over what the scouting group has come up with throughout the year now, you talked about this the other day at one of the pre-draft workouts, and Elton Brand mentioned this in his end-of-season press conference too, that this is now, looking back to this time last year, really about a full year that some of the members of the front office have had working together. And while it wasn't something where you guys weren't familiar with each other this time last year, it's just another year of working together knowing each other, being familiar with that type of setting. How much of a difference have you found that? to make um yeah i mean getting getting the cadence of the workflow and and how uh 
I think the biggest thing is understanding um, how the people above me want to consume information and, and, and how they learn best and being able to, to take what, what the scouts provide and, and, you know, manipulate it in a way that, that is helpful or most helpful for, for the, the management team. Um, it's kind of, I think that's the primary goal of my role is, is to be able to present stuff to those guys in ways that they, they find most helpful. All right, well, Vince, if you are able to catch a few cat naps and continue to rack up those points for Mrs. Senior Director of Scouting for the Philadelphia yeah. 76ers. Get to sleep wherever <laughs> you can, no question. Thanks, man. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. Great to catch up with Vince Rosman. Great to speak with Mariel Shayok as well. Thank you for listening. New draft season podcast coming your way once a week from now until the draft itself on June 20th. So be on the lookout and check those feeds. Have a great holiday weekend. Talk to you next time. See you.